0: Thanks for listening to this Small Town Theologian Special. This bonus content comes from other Reformed pastors and theologians in small towns. You may not recognize their names, churches, or towns, but these faithful men have good things to say for your comfort. God's sovereign grace is active in small towns. May hearing from these men encourage you, and may your life be shaped by what you learn. Middletown, PA, is Dauphin County's oldest community. It's situated on the east shore of the Susquehanna River, a bit south of Harrisburg, PA, and was founded in 1755 before Harrisburg and Hummelstown. William Penn established a settlement there in 1690. There were a few Native American settlements there as well. It was called a Susquehannock Indian town. It was known for trade because of its location both of land and water and grew rapidly. It was named Middletown because it's halfway between Lancaster and Carlisle along the old Stagecoach Road. Middletown was founded by George Fisher, the great-grandson of John Fisher, who traveled to Philadelphia on the first voyage of the ship called Welcome with none other than William Penn. George's family were Quakers, uh, but he wasn't favorable to the strict rules of the Quakers. George left with a train of three Conestoga wagons for a property deeded to him by his parents. This became Middletown and later expanded. Additionally, many Scotch-Irish Presbyterian immigrants settled in the area to escape religious persecution in Scotland and to avoid bringing their children up in Catholicism in Ireland. They came to America. About 200 Scotch-Irish families resided in the neighborhood of Middletown. Even some German immigrants from the Palatinate, Dutch immigrants, and other immigrants from other parts of Europe settled in the area. Middletown was a supply depot for the army during the Revolution. In fact, volunteers from Middletown were among the first to form companies of the army. George Washington even enjoyed the tavern on West Main Street in 1779. When the Declaration of Independence was written, it included ideas from the Resolves of Independence, a published work from residents of Middletown. In the mood for some food and craft beer? Stop by Tattered Flag Brewery and Stillworks on South Union Street. I haven't been there, but it looks interesting. One of the owners is a U.S. Navy veteran. If you're not interested in any of the beers they offer, you can brew your own. This is in Middletown. You should give it a try. I'm not being paid to say this. I just found them online. Reverend Adam Wells was ordained in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in 2020 and began pastoring Calvary Orthodox Presbyterian. Church in Middletown later in 2020. What a year to begin pastoring a church, especially for a young pastor. Adam is a passionate young man, an intelligent and thoughtful man, and I've enjoyed getting to know him. We've had wonderful conversation, and Adam has sharpened my thinking, pushed me uh, to think carefully and lovingly. Adam is married to Noel, both of whom graduated from Westminster Theological Seminary near Philly. Adam with a Master of Divinity, and Noel with a Master of Arts in Counseling. They have three children. Check out Calvary Church online at calvaryopc.com. Listen to some of Adam's sermons. I think you'll be blessed. Calvary was organized in June of 1936 under the leadership of Reverend Robert S. Marsden. Along with a group of over 60 Christians, Marsden began the church in hopes of preserving the purity of the Reformed faith and historic Presbyterianism when church drift was happening around the country in the Presbyterian USA church. This church wanted to be faithful to Scripture and confessional Christianity. The church held its first worship service in the Western Movie House on Brown and Union Streets, then moved to an old post office. It seems the members worked hard to see this church grow, investing their money, time, and work. I think they even had a radio program of the worship service in the late 1930s. This is a church that desires to be faithful to God's Word in the Reformed faith. At the top of their website reads, We preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified so that our faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. I'm encouraged that Calvary, Calvary OPC still has an evening worship service. My family has attended once and I hope to return. If your church doesn't have a Lord's Day evening worship service, perhaps you'd consider mentioning something to your elders. Or if you are an elder, well, consider starting one. And if you've, you're, you're ever near Middletown, consider joining the wells and people of Calvary in worship. Now, here's a message from our brother Adam on Luke 7, 11 through 17. I think you'll find his message is worth your time. May what you hear shape how you live. Luke chapter 7,
1: verses 11 through 17. You'll remember as Jesus has been uh, traveling, and last time we saw he... Healed from afar, a centurion's servant who was sick unto death. Here we read Jesus raising a widow's son. This is the Word of God. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin of those carrying it, uh, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with great awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared amongst us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Amen. As far God's word. Let's pray. Lord and God, we do ask you now for your help We ask for your guidance. We ask for the work of your spirit to shine light in our hearts and our minds, that we would be good soil for your gospel, that we would see your glory in Jesus Christ, that we would be hearers and doers of your word. Oh, Lord, guide us as our great shepherd, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1982... Bruce Springsteen sang a song called Glory Days from the album Born in the USA. Indulge me in this illustration because it's been hot and everybody's having cookouts and this kind of music does play. But he sang the song Glory Days. In this song, he sings these lyrics as he's, he, he, he is uh, the narrator of the song is going in uh, to a bar and he bumps into somebody that he hadn't seen in a long time. Says, saw him the other night at this roadside bar. I was walking in. He was walking out. We went back inside, sat down, had a few drinks. But all he kept talking about was glory days. Glory days. Well, they'll pass you by glory days the wink of an eye glory days glory days the whole song goes in these cycles of old friends bumping into each other and realizing what they want to speak about are the glory days and yet the chorus continually reminds you how they pass on by so quickly in this passage before us I want you to recognize that where Jesus goes and where Jesus works, you do not see a glory to capture or to recapture. But what you see displayed is a glory that must capture you. Jesus here displays himself. Beyond anybody's wildest dreams, to be not only a great healer, to be not only a great teacher, to be not only perhaps what at this time some of the disciples would have had a fragmented idea of what the anointed one would be and do. But here, Jesus shows himself to be the Lord of life, the Lord of life. The Lord, as it were, over life, the Lord who possesses the life, the Lord who has power over life or the Lord who is life himself, not simply a Lord who loves life and desires life to be uh, to be. present for his people, which we would still affirm would be great leadership, a Lord who desires a good life for his people. In human terms, we would say, this is the kind of leader I want, one who will, who will work on my behalf, one who will work on your behalf, who will, who will see our lives and desire them to be full. And surely Jesus loves the life of his people, but he is no mere man. This anointed one is no Solomon or Rehoboam or Jeroboam or Asa or Josiah. This son of David is the Lord of life himself, who is walking in as this widow is walking out, you see. And this woman here described specifically and uh, uh, explicitly and emphatically, not only a woman, not... uh, not only a woman who lost a son but as a widow as a widow this woman you would you could say and quite truly is no longer in her glory days perhaps they passed her by here she is uh, described who knows what her age is perhaps no longer young and without a husband perhaps no prospect of remarrying not only for uh, matters of love and companionship, but also for uh, the matter of provision. Her husband had died. And yet, she may have been older, she may have been not, but from our text, we might imagine, actually, she's not terribly old. Maybe not terribly old, since her son is called in the Greek, uh, neoniskos, it means young man. So either she had this child late in her life, or, She's not as old as you'd think when you would even have to go through the grief if you had to of of going of of losing a child, which no parent ought to do. And yet it is one of the griefs, griefs of of our life sometimes. She lost her husband, who knows, perhaps uh, perhaps years earlier. We don't know. But now we are told she lost her only son. So she's walking out of the city. You can put yourself in her place, heartbroken. She has no security, no livelihood anymore, no husband, and no uh, no no son who would have grown up to care for her, to provide for her, uh, to care for her in her old age. And this widowed mother walks outside the gates to bury her son in the grief of loss. Perhaps slowly realizing, even in that grief, the weight that a parent feels that a child can die, but a mother or father, but here a mother never stops being a mother and never stops feeling that grief. Glory days had passed her by and perhaps she's thinking how brief of a visit they had made in her life. More likely, she might be thinking I never had any and this is what my life is. But God, their precious words, but God, God had other plans than this woman drinking at a bar, telling old stories of the better days of her life. You see, Jesus is walking in as she's walking out, and he is going to leave her with a very different story to tell. Even as you look at this text, look at how it opens and look at how it closes, What a turnaround we see. The glory that is veiled in the flesh of Jesus Christ does not pass her by, but looks at her, sees her. His heart goes out to her and looks in the tears of a broken woman's eyes and stops. You hear that, church? Jesus Son of God, the anointed one, with all the other things he might have been up to, all of the other places he had to go, all of the other people he had to see, all of the other sermons he needed to preach, he he stops. He stops and he sees her. In fact, not only does he stop, but he stops the entire procession, doesn't he? Funeral coming out, he stops the procession of mourners by touching the coffin or the beard, depending on. Uh, what what, what translation you're looking at, this this kind of open-faced platform that you would hold a body on. And he touches it, a shocking thing. A shocking thing for someone so holy, at this time at least recognized to be holy, or a teacher to draw so close to a dead body that could render one, or would render one, ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. So not only does he stop, Not only does he recognize as he's coming with a large crowd and another large crowd is coming uh, uh, and then they're starting to meet at the entrance to the city. But he stops and he touches it and everyone recognizes this because everybody stops. You see that that's a lot of people to stop. Now everybody stops. He sees her and this Lord suffers with her for a moment's time. He enters into the grief that is taking place. All of the mourners doing a good thing, mourning, grieving, weeping with those who weep. This is the kind of Savior who is sent and made like us in any way, who knows how to sympathize with you in your weakness and knows not only physical weakness, but knows the grief and the pains that you bear in this life. He bore them too, and to see them. And he doesn't simply skip to the end, just like with Lazarus, he mourns and weeps at the death that he sees even knowing the future when he would raise Lazarus from the dead. But here he stops and you see perhaps a recognition of Psalm 116, I think verse 15 that testified to us that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. A precious thing, precious thing that he stops, grieves. He cares. He cares. Pause that story. You hear of a woman, you know, the Lord of life who mourns death and here perhaps you're 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 one of the mourners. Perhaps you've lived in this city. You've been praying for this woman. Even after she'd lost her husband, praying that the Lord would provide for her. And perhaps as her her son is growing old and strong, you see answer to that prayer. And you see that she and her son are working hard and they're getting by. You and the others of the Nain community chip in and you check in from time to time. And then you hear the news. Not the full story, but the gist. Perhaps second, third hand as it goes around a small town. This son, her only son, has died. What runs through your head? Many thoughts, I imagine, would jumble in no particular order. Why, God? Why do you allow this to happen? And then you start to try to make a logic to it. Say, is, is, this, is, this, is this woman cursed? What did she do? God, are you vindictive? Would you really, are you just piling it on? How will she get by? What resources does her family have? Perhaps you start thinking, how could these uh, circumstances be mitigated? How is she going to get up tomorrow and move on? What can you do to help? Nothing. Well, nothing to fix it. But you can help and you can mourn with her. As one uh, TV soccer coach rightly put it, said, being sad is bad but there's, worse, there's something worse than being sad and it's having to be sad alone. So you and the rest of the town, you put on your sackcloth, your dark cl- uh, colored clothing, rough on your skin. You put ashes on your head and you, you begin to walk with that procession out of the town to bury the body, lifting up your voices. And as you're going out, you see a large crowd coming towards you, Jesus. This teacher that you've heard something about and you watch, perhaps you're a little farther off and you watch and you see this holy man stop everything. So you stop and you see him reach out and, and you, thoughts going through. What is he doing? We're not even doing it. We're going to be unclean after this. And he stops and he touches. It. He Touches it. Perhaps you say, what a kind man. What a kind man that he would stop what he's doing, that he would care enough to grieve with this widow. Pause that story. You're walking into the town, one of the disciples of Jesus or one of the large crowd. You're waiting for the Lord to enter into another teaching tour, perhaps another healing demonstration. This has been joyful times. You just watched as he spoke a word and then heard the testimony that a centurion's Uh, servant had been healed without any physical proximity. You heard the sermon that Jesus just preached on the plains of mercy and of love that you could not even comprehend. You've seen him heal a leprous man and make him clean. You are riding high with the teacher here. These are the glory days for you. You are saying, perhaps these are the days the Lord has visited Israel. And as as you're walking with Jesus, a dark cloud perhaps comes over your mood and you see it. A funeral, not a story that needs to be saved before something terrible happens. A story with a period on the end. What you see, you recognize from afar off, you hear The morning cries you see the coffin or the beer that's that that's uh that's in the middle you see the weeping mother and you start to feel that tremendous sense of awkwardness of being one part of a group that is so used to being the hero that is so used to being part of the the entrance to save and you realize what's about to take place, we're gonna to have to walk by this, there's nothing we can do. This would be off-brand for Jesus. He's a healer, but this, there's nothing to heal. Our text makes this very explicit uh, several times, referring to him even when Jesus later speaks to the man as the dead man. He wants us to know this man is, is dead, not close to death as in the earlier points of chapter seven. We start to realize here what Jesus will do, will show us that you cannot separate the the teaching Jesus, the healing Jesus of Luke chapter five and the rest of the gospel from the proclamation of who Jesus really was in the early chapters of Luke, where uh, glory is proclaimed in the highest, where salvation and peace to all men is being proclaimed. We can't forget those things. Jesus knew why he had come, but when we see such great works, Sometimes we can get caught up in them and see the work and glorify the work and forget that they're part of a bigger thing. You see that the Lord that you are walking with, what he is about to do will show everybody that he is not only the Lord over life, not only that he is the Lord of life who still mourns death in this present evil age. But you will see this his disciples will see this a grieving mother will see this a town will see this that the Lord of life speaks to dead men and calls them to life your Lord is the Lord of life who speaks to dead men and calls them to life? Did you see that? He does not tell the woman simply, don't cry, and tells her about something or or speaks to her on behalf of the dead man. Jesus speaks directly. Do, do, you, do you see that? He says, Young man, I say to you, have you lost your mind, Jesus? Can you imagine the split second before that man gets up what everybody is thinking? What? Wisdom is known by her fruits, isn't it? Jesus says to the dead man, says to the young man, excuse me, get up. And the dead man sat up. Not only does he sit up, but he's—it's this—is no act of necromancy. This is no zombie that's been raised to life. This is no horrific incident, as we've uh, seen in movies or heard in tales. But he begins to speak, and it says, "Jesus gave him back, gave him back to his mother, one who'd been taken from her by death itself." You have a Lord who can speak. To the dead, not simply about them and call them to life. Now that there's a lot in there. There is a lot in there for one on a quick application. We need to remember that, too, that when you share the gospel and when you speak the word of God, you speak it to the dead, not simply about them. You speak it to those who are dead because your Lord speaks and he speaks to the dead. And he calls them to life. Some of you will recognize this if you're part of our uh, Bible study and prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. But this is this is a profound uh, note that Tim Keller makes in his book, Prodigal God. He says that uh, Christianity is is uh, is is a religion that is concerned with the material, with with what you can touch, perhaps more than any other faith in the world. Jesus' miracles are not so much violations of the natural order, but a restoration of the natural order. I'm going to read that again because you need to hear this. Too often, miracles are are spoken of as they go above and beyond what was natural. Here is, is an important point. Jesus' miracles on this earth were not so much violations of the natural order, but restorations of the natural order. Think about it. God did not create a world with blindness. God did not create a world with leprosy. God did not create a world with hunger. God did not create a world with death in it. Jesus signs, he goes on to say, his miracles, they were signs that someday all these corruptions of his creation would be abolished. Christians, therefore, can talk of saving the soul you see, with, 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 with a tremendous amount of confidence and also with looking out not only as us as individuals, but as what is the Lord doing in this new creation, that, that each sign, each miracle is a sign that things will be made new, the curse will be lifted, and life will reign and not death. Life will overcome death. Not in some abstract way, but because Jesus himself, the way, the truth, and the life will overcome death, be raised, and he will inaugurate a new creation. You see, if you don't get this, this is very important for us. And I think especially when we go through times of of tremendous grief, if you don't get what Jesus' miracles and signs are pointing to, And really get the hope of that, then what you will end up doing is simply long for another healing tour for Jesus to do. You'll simply long for these days when Jesus was showing signs of a greater work that he was doing. And this doesn't mean that we Don't mourn sickness and death, but there are times and many of us, if the Lord tarries, we will all see the grave and there are times we will pray for healing and the Lord will say it's time to call this one or that one home. And we must remember that being called home is part of that greater work that life everlasting is granted to those who believe in jesus christ and even as our bodies will wait in the ground and our souls will be present with the lord the work is still unfinished until body and soul are rejoined when heaven comes down and into to earth and everything is made new that that these are peaks These are just little spoiler alerts that you get to look at Jesus saying you have not seen anything yet If you think this is great and it is great It is great Then don't limit what God is doing Don't limit what the Lord has proclaimed as good news Because good news is for me and for you and it is so far beyond Just you and just me It is a reversal of a curse and an eternal security dwelling in the pleasures forevermore at the right hand of God. The Lord speaks to dead men and calls them to life. And Jesus still speaks to dead men. And they still rise. Amen? Isn't this what we pray for? He still speaks. still speaks and still raises the dead not like this until the last day when that second resurrection will take place because this kind of thing will happen once more but before that day the first resurrection must take place the regenerating work of the holy spirit to cause many to call out on the name of the Lord to be saved. You see, Ezekiel prophesied about this in chapter 18 and 33 of his prophecy. It says the Lord cries out to his own people saying, listen, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Now stop, think about that. When I say that that, that, that each one of these things is a peak of the Lord reversing a curse. The Lord doesn't even take pleasure in the death of the wicked, he says. So he cries out in the day of salvation saying, repent and live, repent and live. This is the attitude of your Lord. And this is the attitude you and I must have towards even the wicked. Now there is a day of judgment where it will be good and just when the Lord pours out his wrath on the unrighteous who are the enemies of him and his people. But it's not today until that day comes. Lord says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And my message is this, repent and live. This is the message that we preach as we lift up Jesus Christ. This is the message that you are given to preach, to lift up Jesus Christ to your neighbors and to your friends and to your enemies. For the Lord takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Neither should we. It is tremendous. Psalm 116, 15 says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. But then it goes on to say, oh, Lord, truly, I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. What a picture we have here. The son of the Lord's maidservant freed from the chains of death, restored to his mother. Restored to his mother as the glory does not pass by. And for you and I today, we need to recognize as we look forward, the glory days have not passed us by as we read about this glimmer of glory manifest on earth, even veiled in the flesh of Christ. But this town that left mourning, that left its gates mourning, will return with Jesus going into that town, glorifying the Lord Saying this, a great prophet has appeared among us. God has come to help his people. And surely this is so. And for this reason, the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Isn't that the way these things go? When something great, inexplicable, marvelous happens, it just so happens that people tend to carry that around with them. And you just can't hold it back. that the church in Acts is talked about as gossiping the gospel have you heard have you heard the news of a lord and a giver of life have you heard news of this jesus the lord who possesses life in himself and can give life have you heard the news of this lord who great though he is still takes the time to mourn with those who mourn and have you heard of this lord we're only at luke chapter 7 who we will see was himself lifted up, gave up his life for you and me, that you and I might be given life in him, and that he himself displays that he has power as the Lord of life, not only over other people's lives, but over his own, and purchases the lives of many to bring many sons to glory. Your Jesus is the Lord of life.
0: Trust him, proclaim his name, is a glorious thing that we are charged with. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you were encouraged by Adam's message and that you learned a little something about the small town of Middletown, Pennsylvania. Please subscribe to Small Town Theologian on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or your preferred platform so you don't miss future specials and regular shows. You don't want to miss the coming episodes. You might be surprised at the clear law and gospel ministry coming out of small towns. If you enjoy the podcast, share with with a friend. Till next time.